host, Luke Fagenbush, and I'm here with my good friend and my co-host. Are we friends? I mean, I mean uh, definitely, like, yes, you know, co-workers. Of course. I, let's not push it, like, like not on the... We can have this talk off air if you want to... I mean, we could have had okay. this talk when we started the podcast, but I, I don't Do know. I, it's, uh, what, like a friendship talk? Right, like, like what exactly? Okay, just I'll, know. I'll give it to you bluntly. I'll give it... There's some stuff on the podcast that's theater of the mind, right? It's just to keep the audience engaged. It's to give them a feeling of togetherness. Um, so yes, Lauren, you're my friend. We're I, I'm godfathering your children. We're riding tandem bicycles. I make you meals. We sent each other Valentine's cards, and uh, yeah, you're I, on my email yeah. newsletter, and that goes to my grandma, my mom. Uh, that goes to Elon yeah, I know Musk. you. He's you, never you answered. CC everyone on the emails instead of BCC. So I I know everyone that it goes to. Um. And it's weird now because you do realize that that's how people... It goes to Sean Braley. Obviously, it goes to Sean Braley. Who is my friend and everyone's friend. He's a friend of the comedy scene of PBS. He's an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, showrunner, comedian. He only won Emmys for one of those things, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, and I... He's our guest this week, isn't he? Yeah, totes. He's on the podcast. Um, forgive me. I got distracted by trying to figure out the nature of our relationship. But by all means, continue to talk about someone else's I mean, accolades while I morrow <laughs> in uncertainty of what we are. My good friend Lauren Hutton was messaged by Sean Braley a couple, a couple weeks ago. And... This is a guy that would have made it into the woodworks, but he reached out, and he was an absolute treat to talk to. Loved it. It was great. Yeah. Just on top of... How would you describe his shows? I mean, his shows make you feel... Something other than laughter, which is weird, because I go to a show, (laughs) and I want to hear talk about sex things and yeah. poop things. Yeah, let me giggle. And I never developed emotionally past a middle schooler, so I'm not ready <laughs> for, like, dramatic Emmy award-winning telling. And he kind of held my hand and walked me there. Yeah, it was a good time. And on top of that, he's he's funny. I mean, yeah, these are facts. Do we have to, do we have to tell everyone that everyone's funny? I mean, obviously, Sean is funny. I'm not trying to, like, paint the lily or anything, but... Eventually, we're going to have someone on the show that's just not funny. Lauren, there's a little something called the theater of the mind. And sometimes we tell the audience things. Luke and I are best (laughs) friends. Thanks for listening. Sean! How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm, mm. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, are you well? Is that a lie? That, are you doing that thing where people are like, how you doing? And it's like, fine. Even though like, you know, your whole world yeah, is burning. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been, do- I haven't been doing very good. That's why I even thought about it. I was like, is well even the right word to use for, do you say I'm doing good? I'm doing well. I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> to use the right English. I'm, I, uh, whenever you guys, you know, agreed to let me be on this uh, wonderful podcast. My first thought was like, I'm going to start it off with a bang, and then here I go. I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> well, con- controversial opinion, maybe, but um, as someone who is pretty anxious, like before the whole pandemic thing, it's honestly like a nice change of pace because I'm like, oh, everyone's on my level now. Right. It's cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I-, I feel guilty. There's Schadenfreude there, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're not alone, you know, so that's all that matters. Hell yeah. Well, all right. So, Sean, uh, who are you? What do you do? And and as the first person to reach out to request to be on a show where we talk about people's failures, (laughs) what made you want to do that? Because normally we're asking people Uh, and assuming that we're a Third, for the record. Oh, for real? (laughs) I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I uh, I just feel very uh, well acquainted with failure. Um, Hell yeah! I feel like my entire I'm 34 years old, and I feel like everything in my life is still uh, preceded 
by the word aspiring. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah <laughs> so like i haven't just bombed on stage like i bombed at life so i'm i'm here to <laughs> hell yeah that's, bomb that's everybody every successful person will tell you is like no i've failed eight times the amount i succeeded like yeah. right uh if i'm not mistaken you are uh emmy awarded is that correct I- I am. <laughs> Wait, what? You have an Emmy? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's the Ohio Valley Emmy, so it's a regional Emmy, but it's still given by the National Academy. So it's you know, what? it's it's you a real. You still got a little gold man statue. That's yeah. the yeah. Oh yeah, show please. Show oh, nobody on the podcast man. can see it, but you guys can see it. <laughs> we'll describe it. Okay. Here He's we go. walking over to a mantle that is a door. Oh my God, that is an <laughs> Emmy. That is a 100 I've never been this close to it in a miles away. <laughs> yeah, dude. Here's a second Emmy. Uh- <laughs> Why do you have so many Emmys, John? You- okay, okay, real talk. Did you ask to be on the show just to show off your Emmys? Was that yeah, really yeah. the goal? Nobody <laughs> asked me about my Emmys for a year. And God damn it. Oh I need God. to impress somebody. What are those for? What did you get Emmys for? I had no idea you had uh, Emmys. So I uh, I run an organization called Sensi Stories, and we make right. like documentaries locally, as well as events and do other things, uh, all based around storytelling. But we make documentaries, and so we've just submitted them for re- it's it's for regional content. So like we're competing against like the local news stations and PBS. Gotcha. Stuff. So um, yeah. So okay. we've we've won for those things. So it's been. Really oh. excited as an organization more, but that's I get to have a couple at my house. And <laughs> <laughs> was there like any one particular documentary that you won those for, or was it like a group of shows? Yeah, we've won for a few different ones. So that one uh, right there is for one called uh, the Lions Den, which is like based on a boxer that uh, was a former boxing champion and teaches. Uh, boxing to inner city folks in the West End in Cincinnati here. Oh, that's okay. cool. Really, it's really- cool that you won that when that title was being overshadowed by the popular sex shop. So you really had to go <laughs> a ways to right. to really win that title. <laughs> that's all I've ever been doing is competing against the popular sex shops in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then we actually won so. Let me just brag for a second. Yeah, please. I tell you. Yeah, let's get all the awards out of the yeah. way before we talk about the failures. So at one the of end. those is also what it was really exciting. Uh, this past year, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We had a uh, the Emmys were over like Zoom or some shit. Right. And we <laughs> so we are watching and then we are get to the last award and we had submitted to be uh, uh, included in the overall excellence category. So that's like overall excellence against television stations from like Chicago and Columbus oh and Lexington. Yeah. And we, sometimes they have ties in this and they just give them both awards. And so they got to overall excellence and they gave the award to someone else. And we were like, all right, yeah, we, that was a long shot. And then the next thing I know, there's like, we actually have two winners in this category and we were the second one. That's amazing. And- literally a two-man team so it was a huge huge wow against like a television network yeah yeah (laughs) most of that is because my partner in the organization is very talented and i just get to write his coattails but i get to have nice awards in my house and be like i'm not a total failure right And you're humble as well. Right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> How long have you been doing the Cincy Stories? How old is that organization? Uh, it's been happening for six years now. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, six years ago, we I knew nothing about... I, I tried to make movies in my like late teens, early 20s, and I was just like, I am not a technical person, and you have to know technical things right. to run a camera and shit. And... <laughs> uh, I, so I just struggled with that, and I was like, never mind, I'm not going to do that. I'll just talk about <laughs> it. that take no technical skill. Right. Uh, and so I I gave up on it, and then uh, my friend, who his name's Chris, who started Sensi Stories with me, 
uh, was a filmmaker already, and I wanted to do these storytelling events. And so we both just like, like let's just put those two things together. Yeah. And then over, I learned how to edit and how to do some things. I still am not good with a camera, but uh, everything else has been the two of us. So it's been a fun That's experience. That's awesome. And not yeah. suck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what does... I, I wish I would know more about it because I've been like, since you started doing stand up, I've been yeah. like seeing those Facebook posts and being like, oh, I got to make it out to one of those or watch right. one of those. And uh, I did that for like two or three years and didn't go to one. So what does that... <laughs> it, it happens? Okay. <laughs> what does that look like? Is it like uh, a show where someone goes up and tells a story and then you like film a documentary around it or what? No. So the, sh the shows are kind of separate. Or they're totally separate from the documentaries. So um, the shows are just like we get like five or six folks from the Cincinnati region. Yeah. Uh, and we try to make it really diverse in terms of like who's telling stories from like, you know, race and gender and age and all that stuff. So you're kind of getting a swath of types of people. I've had a few comedians like uh, Tate, Jeff Tate told a story and Josh Sneed has told a story. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, they filled the white guy, middle-aged white guy category. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want to reach out for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's really hard to fill that role. So I was like, uh, <laughs> that's like uh, the space you leave that naturally gets filled. Yeah, just yeah, right. <laughs> when you turn around and there's a white guy sitting there. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It's already the organization's run by two white guys, so I try to do as do my due diligence and have as little white. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, you you couldn't do better than Jeff Tate and Josh Sneed when it comes to storytelling, though. Right. Great. Very incredible. Uh, that was the first time I've ever seen Jeff Tate nervous, though. He went really? for real at the Woodward Theater. He went back behind the theater, uh, smoked a lot of weed, <laughs> came back in, and then he was getting ready to go up. And he just like it's just me and him back backstage, and we're waiting for the net, the storyteller before him to end. And he just turns to me and says, I'm nervous. And I was like, I made Jeff Tate nervous. So. <laughs> just to give people an idea about who Jeff Tate is, whenever I talk to anyone who's like near a headlining like role for comedy and I say I'm from Cincinnati, they're like, oh, yeah, Jeff Tate, right? Yeah. right. Why is he there? <laughs> right, right. right. Exactly. And he's an incredible comic and i was like so nervous to even have him on the show because i feel felt like he would judge me and then when he did that i was like okay we're all kind of human here yeah, at least. yeah. <laughs> and he still did a great job even though he was stony baloney you know <laughs> well yeah that's that's kind of his uh that's his comfort zone right there uh <laughs> but the, those shows they're always like they're not always funny. They're like heavy. You know, I, I try to always mix it up too with like funny to heavy stories and stuff, but it's, it's really fun to do those shows. I've, I'm very attracted to storytelling comedy as well. Like Berbiglia, mm -hmm. Neil Brennan and Gethard and all these guys yeah. uh, that do uh, great stories with their comedy. Um, so it's, yeah, that's what the shows are like. I don't know if I described it well, but. <laughs> no, I, now I want to go out to one even more. I, I actually don't <laughs> want to go to one anymore because you described it so well. I feel like I've already been. So yeah, you've already been there. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen the Emmys. I don't need to go. Like <laughs> Look, if I wanted to see Jeff Tate stoned, I could just go to Go Bananas and hang out for a little bit. Right. Like <laughs> just stand and wait. So when did you start telling jokes on stage? Was that before the Cincy Stories thing started no. or like in the middle of that? So that was in the middle of it. So I uh, have been doing comedy since like 2019. So okay. only a couple years. Um, and even 20 or 2020 barely counts because I barely did anything right. in 2020, March. So... I'm kind of newer. I'm newer to the comedy scene. Uh, I've wanted to do it since I was, I remember being five years old, being in Sunday school and our Sunday school teacher saying, uh, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? And I was the first one to raise my hand. And I said, I want to be a stand-up comedian. And she was solid like, solid answer in Sunday school, by the way, <laughs> that's where you want to make that proclamation. <laughs> Her response to that was like really, uh, sketched out. And she was like, you mean like a Christian comedian, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so 
I didn't touch a microphone and tell jokes into it for 20 years after that. Right, yeah, scarring experience. Yeah, because I was like, wow, mm. if that's my only option. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. I've seen Mark Lowry. Uh, oh, man, what a name drop. You're making my mom so happy right now, especially after Blake <laughs> Hammond said cunt several times and she had to quit listening. Now you're making Mark Lowry references. She's like, oh, good. He finally got a good one on there. <laughs> That's, yeah, I'm she probably impressed. had to recover for a few episodes, too. So I'm this sure. is just when she drops in. <laughs> yeah, came in on the right person because I am I can win over anybody's mom. That's <laughs> Yeah, wait 15 minutes till he just starts saying cunt like every other word. <laughs> I win him over and then I push him away, you know. <laughs> That's how I refer to my Emmys. It's like, these cunts over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah you see we were like 10 minutes in and luke had almost nothing to edit so we really we just had to give some work to him uh <laughs> there's a reason i'm here and that's <laughs> i work to make myself valuable that's exactly. right. my goal yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. want to keep your job so you don't want lauren to be like okay we don't really need Luke to do this. <laughs> I I have to work to keep my unpaid position as a podcast <laughs> editor. Yeah, prestigious position, I know. But uh, <laughs> oh man! So in doing these Cincy stories things for six years, um, have you ever brought someone onto the show? And I'm sure you vet the stories, you know, you get because, you know, you don't want to have someone be like, well, I got something to say <laughs> and just let them get up there and spin a yarn. Uh, but have you ever like put someone on a show and realized like, oh, this wasn't exact. I completely misunderstood what they were saying when they explained their story. This isn't what I was expecting at all. Have you had any of that in those six years? Um, it yeah, in a way, uh, usually it's actually, so we coach our storytellers, so we'll meet with them. I didn't do that with people like Tate and Sneed, just because they... That would have been so up, funny if you had, though. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Jeff, yeah, you're not, listen to me, and I got... Yeah, let me yeah, tell, let me you, tell you how to talk. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with a lot of people, because it's usually just everyday folks that aren't normally on a stage telling their stories. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, I'll meet with them two, maybe three times and go over their story and kind of craft it with them. Uh, and the times when it doesn't work is when they get on stage and then they go, I know that I met with Sean and we he worked with me on this story, but I'm going to tell this other story. Oh, no. Like, I'm going to tell this other story. And usually it's somebody that like wants to either promote something like they're like, I'm starting a business. Oh. Is Oh, me boy. starting my business and i'm like that's not what we're about you know like some places that i get the old bait and switch yep. yeah. i know sean coached me and worked with me on this story but i just got my real estate license so let me tell you about my billboards and benches here is the story of how i can get you in a three-bedroom house tomorrow four percent interest record lows you know what to tell their stories at Cincy Stories and really it's just like advertising the whole yeah. show is just <laughs> just a two hour commercial for local small yeah. businesses <laughs> we had six years of telling no commercials but now it's all commercials everything gets uh, sells out at some point. <laughs> yeah it's time to pay the piper guys you thought we were just doing this out of the kindness of our hearts <laughs> yeah then boom ad wall <laughs> boom. <Yeah>, exactly <laughs> Oh my God! Well, I mean, like, what what sort of thing? Like, what are some of the things that people were trying to promote? And then, like, how did the audience react to that? Yeah, it's not usually like a terrible thing they're trying to promote. Like, um, like the guy Carabello Coffee in Newport. Okay. Um, great coffee shop. Yeah, I love it uh, there. But the owner of that coffee shop, we met up, and I was like, okay. Uh, what story are you thinking? And then, and I usually send people like story prompts to help them have ideas and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And he was like, I want to talk about starting Carabella. And I was like, that's, we literally have a rule. We don't do that. That's right. like the, one of the only rules we have on the type of story you're going to tell. It can't be like a self promotional story about your business. Cause it's all the whole purpose of doing it for me is like building community and like empathy for people. So yeah. people, but I'm not going to, 
feel empathy necessarily for a business owner. It doesn't mean I couldn't, but it's just not an experience everybody's kind of had. Yeah. So he eventually talks to me and like tells this whole story about a time he was in Guatemala and it, it tied to coffee cause he fell in love with coffee there, okay. but it wasn't like about his business. So I was like, okay, that that'll do. That was good. It was a really like mm-hmm. emotional and heartfelt story. And then he gets up there and he does that. And he's just like, I, um, I just want to talk about starting Carabello. So here's how we started. Car- <laughs> and he did give like a little piece of like the original story, like 30 seconds out of this like 12 minutes. Wow. That's the worst. (laughs) And it was like, again, it wasn't that it was a terrible story. It was that it just wasn't what we wanted. And I think the audience felt like you could just feel that, you know, you guys obviously do uh, public speaking. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad you called it that. I'm really glad you called it that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I would call it comedy. but. uh... Accurate, accurate. Uh, <laughs> man, yeah, I could just imagine an audience that's expecting, like, you know, to connect with a person, you know, not necessarily in a laughing way, but like you said, just to a sense of community and empathy. And then this guy gets up there and does a 12 minute commercial for his new coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. they're going to pull back on that. <laughs> not going to, not going to work yeah. here. No. Yeah. The idea of like dramatic public speaking for me is really foreign and odd. Like going on stage, getting a microphone, and then being vulnerable and it being good, it's uh, like gross. <laughs> Ew. But like, how, how oh. does it look when that doesn't go well? Like when that misses the mark? Cause... Yeah, that's a question. Uh, it. Uh, yeah, it can be awkward. Usually the crowd that comes to our events are pretty forgiving if the story isn't a great story, but you can tell the person's being vulnerable. You can like see okay. on it because they're here for a different, they're not just here to be entertained. They're here for the community kind of connection. So the storyteller being nervous or if they're just like not like if they're a little off. Uh, that's happened a couple times and I think people are forgiving, but sometimes you feel that same pull. And then I have to like, as the host of the show, me and Chris, who, uh, the guy that works with me at Cincy stories, we, uh, we co-host the show. So whoever comes up after we kind of have to like, I try to think of a joke. If I'm like, this is bombing. Let me try to think of some way to hook the crowd back. Or maybe this is the time for us to, uh, like just point people to our t-shirts and say like that. <laughs> you do you, after the Carabella's drop. coffee guy, you just go up and you're like, speaking of selling stuff, <laughs> we need money. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> so you you're actually up there hosting it and making sure everything goes well yeah. for these shows. Yeah. Oh and man, I was hosting it and like managing the show, so like make I had everybody's numbers and I was like contacting them if they're running late and trying to and occasionally that would happen like the first storyteller would be like running late and i'd have to be like okay the second storyteller you're going to go up first but i do kind of meticulously organize these events to take uh it's the one of the times i get type a with things i just like take try to on a journey where the type of story that they're hearing is going to be different so like the first story is usually going to be a light-hearted story yeah you know start with a heavy story so it, it can like kind of mess it up for everybody. But now I have, because we're a nonprofit, people are willing to volunteer for us. Um, and so I have people that help out on those fronts and then I just get to get up and have a few drinks and make, make silly jokes in between or uh, heartfelt things. If I feel the need, yeah. that's my go-to. If I can't think of a joke, I'm just like, well, let me just be heartfelt and sincere. People <laughs> like that. <laughs> But that's really interesting, like presenting the show as a whole as yeah. an idea that follows along the stories within it. Yeah. So yeah. kind of telling it's an overall story that has right. stories within it. The the end <laughs> for it, you know, if it works out well, is that this is like a, a story of our city or our region. This is yeah. like these are all around our region and you're hearing them all in one night and maybe one of them maybe you grew up in the suburbs and you're hearing a story from somebody that grew up in like the inner city or vice versa. 
And we hope that you'll relate to somebody whose story is different than yours. You might have come for somebody whose story is more related to yours, but you'll connect hopefully to all the stories. And then you'll be like, oh, I want to get to know my neighbors more. I want to get to know people that are different from me more. Um, so it's a, a vision that I hope helps people. And we always encourage them at the end, like, hey, you felt like something during this event. And and you probably did, because if you just tell people they did, then they think they did at least. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Hey, but I you think felt they... something. Oh, I, I must have. He <laughs> seemed I, I very forward also, with that. <laughs> I know how to tell people, how to manipulate people into feeling things, you know. Uh, <laughs> but no, they usually do feel things. I mean, I do too. Like I'm, I, I get like, you know, a little dusty, a little tear. Right, right. Drop. Uh, during the show and I get up there and I'm like, if you felt something like you can do this in your life, you can manifest this same feeling in your real life. If you just go to your neighbor and talk to them, if you go to your, you know, family and talk to them. And I, I realize that that's a harder thing to do face to face with somebody, right? Yeah. but it's important. And it's what will change our city or our world or whatever, if we're just listening to each other. So that's the whole reason we do it. This might be the most honorable episode that we've ever done. <laughs> like normally people come on to our show and they're just like, yeah, you know, I was at an Applebee's and it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> and you're talking about legitimate change in society and things like through the aspect of art and performance and storytelling. Like it's it's so... So much higher brow than anything that we've ever done here before. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I uh, should I say cunt now? Is that, is that... <laughs> yes? Yes. yes that was thank the you. Perfect moment. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it back down. Right, <laughs> coming out of my mouth, like when I say when I say cunt, it just feels like I'm like even my throat's like nope, that shouldn't be coming out and. <laughs> It's like when you drop your phone and it slips through your fingers. You're like, no, <laughs> no, that's not. Uh, it's out there now. Yep, yep. screen's it. cracked. Nothing you can do. Yeah, Sean's out there making making the world a better place, and our show is just dragging him down. <laughs> Earlier, you had said that that, and it was such a great line that everything that you've ever done in your life has to be prefaced with the word aspiring. Yeah. How many how wh wh how many things uh, fall into that category? Like, how many things are you have have aspired through throughout you know yeah. your your twenties and, and early thirties and whatnot? Um. Well, so I, as we talked about, comedian. Right. I mean, I I'm not aspire. It feels like I'm still aspiring as like a non-profit executive director slash filmmaker like i feel like i'm still aspiring because i'm not making like a hugely great living like i'm not totally we're getting accolades but the finances aren't always matching the accolades you know understandable right? understandable i'm piecing it together i'm surviving and that's okay and i'm more comfortable with that than doing something i don't like to do and making more money but uh uh i was i've been a pastor failed at that uh <laughs> okay wait <laughs> did you go to bible college i did hell yeah. yeah which one uh it's called uh new life bible college wait, in madisonville madisonville uh, ohio very small, very small little bible college um i also went to the university of cincinnati so i went to a real college and i went to bible <laughs> nice way to double uh, down yeah <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I was a pastor up until 2017. Really? Um, and that was, it was a ever changing thing for me as I got older, whatever that would look like was dramatically changing, but I was raised incredibly religious. Right. I, uh, as, as you guys heard with the Sunday school story and stuff, but, um, I think I've always been trying to find my way to be myself and still please my mom. And it's... <laughs> I can relate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the comedian psyche. That's, yeah. <laughs> Seems like that path for me, doing comedy. Yeah. <laughs> doing momedy, I guess, is what I call it. There you go. I love it. I love it. Hey, branding's important, man. And uh, mm. buzzwords like that, mm, they're going to take you places. Uh, you, I mean, I don't know where, and you may not like it when you get there, but you're going. 
What destination would Momity bring you to? (laughs) I don't know, but when you get there, say hi to Zach Wyckoff. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, it it seems like everybody and their mom has been a pastor listening to this show. (laughs) I feel really left out. Like, (laughs) oh, man. Here's the great thing about being a pastor uh, that also ties into comedy is you could just say you're a pastor. Like, there's no credentials needed. Yes! Like, 100%. Oh. I mean, to be like a priest or something in the Catholic Church or more like, uh, you know, high church places. Like, yeah. you have to have credentials. But most churches, yeah. These, uh, yeah, you just start a church. Right. Just do it. You can just do, do it. it. You're like, yep. That's all it takes. <laughs> <you're a> <laughs> so I, I got people to show up. I'm a pastor now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people start to believe it, and then just because you say you're a pastor, they, they like, trust what you say, and it's weird because it's like I don't know anything more than you know. Like I probably yeah. know less than, like you're fifth, and I'm twenty five. Like, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was a pastor. Yeah. Somebody paid a bit of money. That means that I have an answer that you don't have. I don't. <laughs> doesn't make any yeah. sense. I mean, I get I get imposter syndrome doing comedy and like just getting up in a microphone and getting people at bars to be quiet, but I can't like imagine literally telling people how to live their life. Like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The weird thing. Yeah. I was uh I was thinking about different bombs that I've had since I was going to be on this show and it like brought me to the first time I ever preached ever which i was like in my early 20s and i was a, a junior high youth pastor and junior high kids you know they're they they know how to say the right thing to just make you feel the worst yep. oh they're savages yeah <laughs> and they always did that to me and i'm not really uh an authoritative type person you know when i walk into people like if you're 13 you're not like listen to that guy so i like i go the path of trying to be your friend and uh yeah, yeah buddy that pastor that doesn't always work uh but i <laughs> was forced to preach my first ever sermon on abstinence um what to junior high to junior high Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so i i didn't even know like i don't like this is weird for somebody that i guess was a pastor but i don't like telling people what to do uh, the reason i wanted to be a pastor <laughs> I was told what to do all the time growing up, and I just wanted to tell people, like, hey, God loves you. Like, you're loved. Yeah. Like, let's, let's be loving. Uh, so, for a church, and then they're like, hey, we need you to tell these kids what to do. And I'm <laughs> not, not feeling it, but I... Was abstinence as a, as a guiding principle something you agreed with at the time? Is that a value say, you held? I would say, yeah. Uh, okay. But it was also like, I don't think any of these kids are gonna live by this. So it's <laughs> time to to talk about it. It feels like I'd rather talk about like how do we like create healthy relationships and then move from there. But I didn't even know how to talk about that then, and I barely do now, obviously. <laughs> so so uh, I just remember trying to connect with them, and I remember quoting Eminem. <laughs> solid choice solid choice i can't remember the song actually right now but i quoted an eminem song that was like about sleeping with somebody and something just terrible happening and i was like see sometimes bad things happen when you have sex maybe just don't <laughs> it. and then i was like why am i saying that? Uh, yeah so don't feed a girl mushrooms and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then threaten to murder her uh yeah for three albums you're not so bad yeah, yeah you're bad. that was really what it was was like you can't do any worse than eminem's done on this front right <laughs> but, but uh it did not go well with the kids and they asked they started asking questions and then i was like i I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't, like the types of questions they would ask. It's like, well, what is, what does the Bible say about this? Like, where does the Bible say that I have to wait till marriage to have sex? And I was just like, you know, that's a great question because nowhere actually, if you really, 
Uh, oh, it wasn't even like educational questions that would make you feel awkward. They were just straight up grilling you. Like, yes, we're like, okay, you're the pastor. Here's the one thing you're supposed to know about the Bible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude. What else were they asking you? Like, I mean, or yeah, did they just, just realize that they had poked in a, a huge hole in your entire argument with <laughs> They just started asking me a lot of questions about the Bible. Like one kid was like, hey, how do we know that Satan uh, fell from heaven? Like, is there like a story in the Bible? Like, where is that at? And I was like, actually, that's just in Paradise Lost. That's not in the Bible. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things we just like believe that are in the Bible. I mean, I didn't say that openly to them. I was like, I'll have to look into it. And then. <laughs> Trade secret, kid. It, uh... <laughs> yeah. But I just remember, I didn't want to say the thing that I was always told when I was like in junior high and I would ask questions, which was just like, uh, stop asking questions. That's not, you know, that's not going to help you in life. I remember asking my youth pastor once, like, so how do we know that the Bible is the word of God or whatever? Like, how do I know? Like, and I thought there was going to be an answer. I thought it was going to be like, well, God, like it in the year 500 AD, the Bible came from the sky on a golden plate. Y'all knew. (laughs) that God's voice said from the sky, this is the Bible. Right. And we all knew and agreed upon it. And then people wanted to rebel against that. Like that's the, the level of thought that I was like, okay, God definitely made it very clear that this is the Bible. And then he was like, uh, well, the Bible says that it's the Bible. I yeah. was like, wait, circular reasoning. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just write something and say it's the Bible? And then it's the, and then he was like, no, it doesn't work like that. And if you keep asking those kinds of questions, you're going to go down a dark path. I, I was in JBQ and I found out about that Bible verse. And my thought was like, well, shouldn't everything after that verse not be the Bible then? Like, right. it's not right. the last thing they said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. The very last thing, the book of P.S. Uh. <laughs> uh, also... There's this thing called the rapture. Uh, be scared of it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but you were times. literally told not to question stuff, just straight oh. up. Like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Taught me to question everything, but just keep it to myself. You know, like the healthy way to live your life. <laughs> yeah, just Don't inward pondering. <laughs> so, what what made you? go from a a pastor to what you are now was it just one day of pastoring and you're like these junior high kids are too much i'm out or (laughs) well the junior high kids yeah that only lasted a year i was not good with junior high kids so then i went (laughs) like college students and then i uh started my own church and over the rhine um me really and uh we had that for a few years and that was a really hard experience because there was a church that was helping us start it that was like funding it and stuff like that and i just butted heads with them a lot and uh, yeah i'm not really uh i'm i'm pretty conflict avoidant as a person and <laughs> really 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 believe something it starts to like i it bubbles out of me i can't i can't like keep avoiding the conflict eventually and so we were fighting all the time about both like some theology around you know gay people women like these kinds of things because yeah. i'm a super woke dude and uh <laughs> i hope you know that that was said and uh, <laughs> you guys were so quiet i was like am i so progressive that even when i say it people are just like yeah yeah that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much because <laughs> <laughs> i don't think women should be subjugated to you know not leading anything that means i'm progressive it just means i'm like caught up to the times i guess yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, <laughs> I think women should have a tent for menstruation. That's where yeah, I'm at yeah, with it. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were fighting over that kind of stuff. And then we were also fighting over like we were churching over the Rhine and they really wanted to appeal to yuppies. And I just didn't because they wanted to. They were like, oh, over the Rhine, all these people are moving there that are wealthy. We can start a church and have money. Right. And then they were like, well, if we get financially stable, then then you can do your little stuff, Sean. Like, I remember one of the pastors saying that to me and it was like, okay, that's pretty offensive. Uh, and over that time I was already having a lot of doubts about my faith and questioning, why do I believe in the Bible and what is it? And is it even speaking to my life anymore? And so then in 2017 I had a huge fight with them. Uh, I remember 
bawling my eyes out with these pastors as they just like sat there looking at me kind of blankly and then being like when i was done crying uh they were just like uh cool um so do you want to put in your resignation this coming sunday or what yeah christ-like compassion that's what you (laughs) (laughs) one of the guys did like come up to me afterwards and give me a hug and just say like i'm feeling for you but that was literally it and so it was just like wow and so then the next sunday i got up and just said like hey i'm I'm leaving. There's another pastor here. Like me and a couple of guys were co-pastoring. They said I was leaving. And then uh, that church within like three or four months just ended because the, and I'm not saying that because of me. I mean, uh, I, well, I mean, you know, cause and effect, bro. Uh, right. <laughs> I think it was just because it was messy. You know, they were like, people like saw what was happening. They were like, this is messy. I don't know if I want to be a part of this thing. That's so messy. But uh, yeah. after that, or when I was doing that, I started me and Chris, we co-founded Cincy stories together. And we, uh, I did that because I really, I realized when I was starting the church and over the Rhine, the whole purpose of it for me was I wanted to just build community with people. I just wanted to make ways for people to connect. And I realized that the God thing was getting in the way for a lot of people. Yeah. And I be like, that's cool. You can believe whatever you want. Just come hang out with us. And still for a lot of people, they're like, yeah, but you're a pastor. There's a bait and switch here. What's happening. Right. So start something separate that I can kind of do that same thing and that has no religious connection, no barriers for people. And that's where Sensi Stories was kind of born out of for me. Uh, for Chris, he had different motivations and stuff, but uh, we started that. And so that I just kind of transitioned to doing that more full time uh, after that and trying to write for grants. We're a nonprofit, so I have to constantly like be begging people for money, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> I'm used to, I'm good at not having money, but begging for money, I'm not good at. Uh, <laughs> but uh, then uh, that's when I, I got like the itch because I always wanted, like I said before, wanted to do stand up comedy. Um, and then I also was missing doing public speaking, like preaching and stuff like that. Like I, I love preaching, even though I was like, I don't even know how to do it anymore because I don't <laughs> like leaves are all over the place now and they're messy and yeah it's hard to really inspire people with messiness and doubts but uh okay you know what has a lot of messiness and doubts stand-up comedy <laughs> it's almost and, exclusively that yeah yeah <laughs> and uh luckily stand-up comedy there's just open mics i guess the open mic for being a pastor is like being a junior high youth pastor but uh, <laughs> that or Tuesday night Bible study, like one of yes. those two things. That's the open mic Sunday morning. That's the big show. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, so I, I was like, I why don't I just start this? And I actually had Zach Wyckoff had dated a, a girl that was in my church when I was a pastor, and so I met him, and so I was like, okay, here's somebody that could like. Cause I've gone to open mics before and I just felt really intimidated. Cause I was like, I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody thing. Nobody's funny. <laughs> it's really. <laughs> <laughs> yup. And, uh, why would I want to do this? I've heard people say like, Oh, you want to start comedy, go to an open mic and you'll be, you'll see like, you couldn't be worse than that guy. But I went and I was like too busy relating to the people on stage and being like, I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want <laughs> I just yep. had this picture in my head of you walking into an open mic, seeing me on stage, and then turning <laughs> around and leaving. <laughs> Not that guy. Anybody but like <laughs> But uh, yeah, Zach. So I met up with Zach. It was like so dramatic for me because I was like, I have done being, I've been a pastor my entire adult life. What, what can I do? And I just, when I met up with him, I'm like, I think I want to do stand up. And he's just like, okay, do it. And I was like, yeah, but can we like talk about it? Like, what is it a lot? And he's like, you just have to do it, man. Like you just have to get on stage, tell jokes. And I'm like, but can I like, here's some jokes I wrote. Are they funny? And he's like, uh, not really, but you should get on stage and try. (laughs) 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 That's the perfect response to someone who wants to do comedy. Cause you you do have to know what an audience is like when you're telling jokes to them. There's no other substitute. (laughs) He knew what to say, even though I was pretty frustrated. I'm like, just tell me, am I funny, Zach? Just validate me. (laughs) And he was like, you're funny enough for me to tell you it's okay for you to go on stage. Like, I think (laughs) you're able to do that and 
have your wits about you. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's fine. I, it's still not as much affirmation as I wanted, but you know, <laughs> it's what so I need. After the period where you went back to it, how was comedy for you then? <laughs> uh, it was, so I actually, right. I went to an open mic and I was going to go up. It was at Corinthian and there was only like eight people there. Yep. And I remember that Mike. And a lot of and, empty uh, space and some house. I just plants. remember I just remember Ran yelling at the bartender, like joking. <laughs> didn't know any of these people. So I was like, This is aggressive. Like I <laughs> <laughs> That is the exact response that everyone has the first time they meet Ran Barnaclo. Yeah. They're just this right. is aggressive. So then uh, Go Bananas, uh, Wayne, Mehmet, and Jeff Tate actually started like a comedy class, a stand-up class at Go Banana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just showed up to it, and I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, uh, as we talked about Jeff Tate being a stony baloney kind of guy, he and Wayne, there wasn't a whole lot of structure to to the thing. I mean, it was it was good for somebody that's never been on stage. Cause it was just like the first class was just, we're going to turn on the lights and the microphone, you go on stage and tell a boring story. We don't even want you to try to be funny. So it's like getting, <laughs> getting those kinks out. Like yeah. don't say any lights. Cause we know the first time you're on stage at a club, you're going to be like, these lights are bright. And you're yeah. Gonna... Damn. These lights is bright. Yeah. So, yeah. so they were getting <laughs> way. And then they had us like, the next week they had us read Mitch Hedberg jokes on stage. Like we weren't even supposed to perform them or anything. They were just like, read the joke just so you know what it feels like to tell a joke on stage and people will laugh because yeah. it's Hedberg. It's going to be funny. Yeah. And then, uh, then the next week it was like, try a joke. So we started doing that. And then after that, uh, the class just kind of started to whittle, whittle away with people that I've never seen again. Um, <laughs> well, that's, a great way to start like into it just like not even starting with your own material not trying to start yeah. to get a yeah. laugh getting everything out of the way that isn't comedy and then right. focusing on comedy and honestly glad to see that it worked because i've seen your stuff and <laughs> yeah i actually yeah. uh figured out how to write a joke eventually uh <laughs> yeah yeah we all get there eventually i mean but luke I start- might one day but whatever right, maybe right. maybe <laughs> one day <laughs> Uh, you'll, you're still inspiring many kids who come into the com or into open mics and decide yeah. to watch or try comedy again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm eliminating people who who don't need to be doing it. If they look at it and they're like, "Geez, if that's what it's going to be for a couple years, I don't know if I can handle that." <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man! But. Uh, Lee was there. Lee would come in. Rand came in. Like a couple of guys that run open mics would come in occasionally. And then they were like, come to my open mics. Then I I was like, okay, I know Zach. I know like Wayne and Jeff now. I know. And then I was trying to rally people from the class to go to open mics. And they would for a little bit. So I felt like, okay, I have people around me. Yeah. Like I'm very dog-like. I like to have like, you know, like my pack of people. So I (laughs) feel like safe in that you know i'm i'm not really a person that can just go on my own and do it because i will i just feel so vulnerable then i just (laughs) comedy itself is already a very vulnerable thing yeah yeah we all know that's what this whole show is about right like the vulnerability (laughs) yeah i my first time up i had to like drag a friend to my first couple of open mics until Mm -hmm. i found another guy who was trying to do it and he was my open mic buddy and just after a couple of months, I think I was finally like, okay, I'm comfortable enough with some of these people that I can sit beside them quietly, wait to go up and then leave immediately afterward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's, that was how I, I started doing it and I've been able to, to uh, continue to do that and kind of get scratch that itch that I had of getting on stage and connecting with an audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been missing that a lot over the last year. Uh, so yeah. as we all have, as we all have. Yeah, you you took the higher ground and didn't start a podcast. So <laughs> I've already done podcasts. So you know that was that's another thing. I, I didn't really bomb it. I actually because you guys were on Radio Artifact. I yeah. 
had a show on Radio Artifact, uh, just like an interview show uh, for a little bit. And so I know exactly the pain. I had Sean Patton on the show once, and he said he dropped the F-bomb <laughs> 300 times. <laughs> like Goodfellas. Like, I just felt like I was like, <laughs> it, I had to go through and edit it, and I had to like listen to it so many times. Yep. Yep. And it was so frustrating. I was like, I don't know if I can ever see Sean Patton's comedy again because I was <laughs> feeling the intense pain. Of Just, that. You get PTSD where you twitch every time he says the F word. I've, yeah. I've felt that about some <laughs> Phil Pointers and some Rand Barnacles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. Uh, Fuck you, Lauren. <laughs> And I'm glad to edit out that one because I felt it. <laughs> yeah. oh, there was something deep that you needed to get out of your system. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some. I, I don't know if anyone else has picked up on this that's been listening to the show, but there's some tension in the background. Luke has texted me late at night asking for audio <laughs> files I haven't sent him. You know, there's just a lot of building animosity oh, my, in the my, I, there's no tension because we both work pretty hard at it and uh I do uh, I do hear some of those f words and I'm like Lauren you know what you're doing that was <laughs> 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 oh man <laughs> yeah I was I've been there so I was thinking about it I mean I've I I have only said things you'd have to bleep when you guys were also saying them so I was like I like that. Oh yeah. I was uh this is me seeking affirmation again. I got to stop that. I'm working on that. <laughs> uh, no, I want I want the podcast to be as free as possible. Right. So I'm right. not going to tell anybody not to curse. And yeah. I uh yeah, I edit it for Radio Artifact out of love and uh that mm. love doesn't divide. That multiplies, baby. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay up all kinds of late to do that yeah. <laughs> for the love of the game. <laughs> oh man, Sean, this is uh, this has probably been one of the more interesting episodes that we've ever had. Uh, just because, like I said, like there's so much uplifting nature to what you're trying to pump into the community, uh, and you're doing it in a way that, like, I don't, I don't know if anyone else could wind up where you are unless they had gone through the path that you've gone through with like these struggles with like organized religions very mark twain of you uh this whole like storytelling <laughs> i fight with organized religion and then i diverted from it so that i could do like exactly what i envisioned like your story is fascinating to me have you told the story of cincy stories on cincy stories have you done that meta dan Harmon bullshit uh, not necessarily i've told stories at cincy stories uh kind of like but in that same fashion of trying not to just, you know, trying to connect to an audience, feeling like uh, if I just told the story of Cincy stories, that could be a disconnect, just like Carabello coffee. Guy. <laughs> so I just haven't done that as much. We've talked about it in like interviews or whatever, if we've been featured on any kind of like news outlets or whatever locally. Um, so there's ways we've gotten the story out a bit, but not my personal avenue to it all the time. Uh, and we, we, when we had done that before people started to connect church stuff to Cincy stories and think it was like a ministry. And then I was like, no, right, no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just becomes messy and people, especially if it's going out into the world through like some kind of media outlet, people just look at everything black and white. There's yeah. no nuance. It's like, I can have, purposes for doing this that are somehow tied to religion but aren't religious to me or whatever like tied to my like desire to build community and love people and yeah all that, uh hippy dippy bullshit um but i <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, i always thought the number one argument for religion was living out the values of the religion and not just that like not even mentioning the thing because people will see that and connect it back so Back when I went to church, that was like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. If you can just live out the values, but then it becomes about the things that like you do rather than the value. Because right. that's how I'll just always seeking validation, right? Like you guys hope that there's a lot of downloads on this podcast. And if you had more, then you feel like you've done, you've done well. You're good boys now. 
and, <laughs> and your mom loves you finally or god or whatever higher seeking affirmation from loves you and i have that same thing in me uh so we're all seeking that and so then yeah. we start to fall into that with our uh when we're in a religious perspective because we're like oh here's a grid here's a thing i can follow here's some rules i can follow if i tick those boxes i will finally be loved and it never works it only <laughs> yeah. it's like we have to this is i've been in a lot of therapy lately guys so uh, <laughs> therapy but we have to, you know i i'm learning to try to love myself and i'm not good at it uh but I think if I can love myself, then I don't have to worry so much about all that stuff. And, and I don't know. I'm not there yet. Nowhere near. Close, <laughs> but. Hey, man, you're but, working on it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Journey of a thousand miles. First step. Dot, dot, dot. But. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. I, I've found just specifically addressing that, um, that ignoring the ends of whatever you're doing and just focusing on the making of the thing really has afforded me a lot more happiness than the other way around. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, like I, I, I think I talked about it before, but I always wanted to be like a writer. Yeah. And that was the thing. I wanted to be a writer. I didn't necessarily want to write, mm. but with comedy it may, even the podcast and that stuff, it's I enjoy the doing of the thing. Yeah, I, I enjoy the expression, and it's not even about the likes. Even though, like you were saying, when I curl up in the fetal position at night and I look at the views on it, I do rock back and forth and call me myself a good boy and say that <laughs> my mom loves me. I yeah. do that. Yeah, but it, I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't love making it. You know, <laughs> no, it's like we are always the validation somehow but if we can find the thing that distracts us from like the end goal of the validation and just like validates us throughout it whether that's doing comedy or whatever people do like i feel like for a lot of people the end goal is just making money or whatever and that just doesn't fulfill us either so it's yeah like the thing nope. that fulfills, we do it that's see you could be a pastor luke you got it right there <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if I was a pastor, I'd want to go like full southern foghorn oh. leghorn suspenders, even bigger mustache. Yeah, like, yeah. that's fire yeah. thunder and, and lightning, baby. Yep, Let's <laughs> do it. The wrath of God shall be upon you. <laughs> I, yeah, I see it. I see it, Luke. I, do, I go to ministry school for four years. I walk up there and it's like, why does he have an accent he has never in his life had before? What? <laughs> Only when he preaches, too. It's not even when he's off stage. <laughs> and I sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, Sean, this has been an absolute blast, dude. Thank you so much for for you know reaching out to us and being on the show. Uh, yeah, I, I just I really love. Yeah, you just reach out to podcasts so you can talk to people. That's yeah, I mean, you know, you got to get socialization wherever you can. reach out to friends. I just reach out to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are you, uh, before we leave, what else are you doing? Do you have anything new in the works? Or you got any plans? Yeah, uh, so um sensi stories is actually working with uh the local pbs stations in cincinnati and dayton right now uh we this coming friday so whenever this comes on i'm sure it won't be this week so nope not even right. close yep <laughs> time traveling right now as opposed to you know a year ago we released a pbs show now this friday april 2nd <laughs> Uh, we have a six-episode first season of a show for Sensi Stories called Long Story Short that we're releasing. That's awesome. That will feature um, some of our past work and some work that we've made now just from the Cincinnati and Dayton region. We actually have a, a story uh, from Wendy Ferguson, uh, the comedian out in like Wilmington, Dayton area. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. Wendy. Yeah. She so we have her a documentary we made about her and we feature Wiley's in that story so that's comedy related you know and then we have all sorts of other stories just from the region so we'll have six episodes and we're starting this summer uh, 
on pre-production for season two already. So that's really Hell exciting yeah. for us. We're stoked to be there and hoping that we can continue to expand it to other cities uh, and grow everything we're doing. Yeah, dude, that's super exciting. When, what, when, when is that airing again? On Fridays? Fr- it'll be Fridays starting April 2nd uh, at 11 p.m. on PBS in Cincinnati and Dayton. Sweet. Um, yeah. And it'll be on randomly. They have like weird times of their like Sundays at 3 p.m. It'll also show. And then you can also see it on the PBS app or like online or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. Clear direction on how to find the content. It's online or whatever, you know. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> Google it, you idiot. <laughs> we might even be able to like uh, slip you in before the second episode even. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look out for that. Yeah. <laughs> No rush or anything, you know. No big deal if it's uh, Don't tell out. us that, bro. We won't drop you till 2022. Yeah, right? you uh, shouldn't have given <laughs> us that much leash. Guys, yeah. I need your guys' huge audience to watch our show. So please, please, please release yeah. <laughs> Halves of dozens. Uh, the, PBS, the PBS execs are like, we saw a 20, 25 person bump. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> But they would probably be excited because the bump, even if it was 20 or 25 people, it would be people that are at least under the age of 70. So they're like, cool. Right. You got exactly. Young people. <laughs> Our 50 something ratio is exploding. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I, uh, I prepared. I mean, not prepared, but I thought about. Uh, bombing stories and other avenues so i just want to come on your podcast at least once a week and tell every time i bombed so i can't it's like confession for me right now so i <laughs> need to come back on and confess to you guys we'll definitely, more more. We'll start definitely another have show back. that is sean braley specific bombs yeah that yeah. people can yes <laughs> yeah, a spinoff you know <laughs> welcome to the third installment of our mini series known as sean braley bombs yeah. <laughs> the Frasier of bombing podcasts. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Sean, this has been a blast. Take care of yourself. I got to go. I have to go put an alternator in my Camry. Oh, fun. Fun. Thanks for having Not me. Not at all, show. but yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so good talking to you, man. I look yeah. forward to seeing you in the future. So, yeah. See you guys around. Yep. Take care, bud. <laughs>